You know, isn't it funny? I don't, I don't know how many of you have had this experience, but I grew up in a day and time when a loaf of bread was about 19 cents. And, and I remember going, I, I don't know where they had them here in the South Bay, but we used to have these, these things called day-old bread stores. And you'd go to the day-old bread store, and instead of 19 cents, they were 10 cents. You could get a whole loaf, you know. And you'd walk in, and you had two choices, white and white. (laughs) All the wheat usually sold. But now you go into Costco, and you, you walk down the bread aisle, and there's like Bob's 714 wholesome grains. And then you have Ezekiel bread. You guys seen that? And you have the the holy oats. You have gluten-free everything now. But you go in and you get the, and and it's $27.95 for a loaf. (laughs) And you take it home and you put it in the toaster and the toaster just rejects it. And it just says impossible, cannot be toasted. You see, bread in the time of Jesus, was the number one staple. It was the thing, it was the food substance that people looked to to provide nutrition for their daily lives. It wasn't like the stuff we have today that guarantees you that if you eat it, you know, you'll you'll get more antioxidants or you'll get 714 doses of riboflavin or something. It was actually, literally, substantive. It was what you ate every day to make sure that you stayed alive. It is to that place that tonight I want to speak to you. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 6. And it says there in verse 35... Think on this. This is crazy. Now understanding what I just said, that to the people hearing, when Jesus says these things, they're going to be thinking, it keeps us alive. It is life. Verse 35, John 6. And Jesus said to them, the disciples, us tonight I am the bread of life he uses a a Greek idiom he says it's ego eme the all sufficient uncaused self caused cause of everything else you remember when Moses went to Pharaoh, whom shall I say hath sent me? Do you remember what he was told to say? Tell him, I am who I am has sent you. Jesus now picks up that idiom. And he says, I alone, me by myself, there is no one else. It can't be that anyone else can be what I am. I am alone, the bread of life. 
I am all that you need. And he who comes to me will never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. And so in one fell swoop, in a rather lengthy Greek sentence, he says, everything you need for life, ego eme, I am. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing. But should raise it up on that last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son, believes in him, may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up on the last day. But the Jews complained about him. You see, there's nothing religious. There was nothing churchy. There was nothing that smacked of a denomination. There there wasn't a thing about which anyone could take pride. Hey, come to our church because we have the bread of life. Jesus was saying, I am. And they were saying, where does that leave us? But they complained because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. You see, immediately they went back to the wilderness wanderings. Immediately they began to think of all the things that had transpired during that time. They remembered when they got to that bitter pool at Marah. And the Lord spoke to Moses. And you remember what he asked him to do. He says, I want you to take this tree. And I want you to throw this tree into this bitter water. And when you do that, it's going to become sweet. When you take that tree, when you take the cross and you throw it into a life, it becomes sweet. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, How then is it that he says, I've come down from heaven? Think about what Jesus was doing with these guys. You talk about twisting their heads a little bit. I mean, they're they're, they're no doubt looking at him going, who does this guy think he is? What's going on in in this carpenter's life that he would have the audacity to say, that he's the bread that came down from heaven? That he's the thing that kept us alive in the wilderness? That he alone is the one that did that? You see, they got the I am part. And as they're looking at Jesus, you can almost imagine what they began to think. Isn't it strange what you can think when you start to look at Jesus. 
when you really get who it is that He is. In the early 1900s, there was a Scotsman who was leaving from Liverpool, England, and he hopped on board a, a cruise liner, very much like the Titanic, which of course sunk, but this one did not. And he had put on that ship a fairly large supply of his own crackers and his own fruit and some water and a number of things. And about five days out from Liverpool's reaching near the coast of the United States. And every bit of his food began to become moldy and it was gross looking and the, the fruit had fruit flies in it and he, he just looked at it and he finally, being a true Scotsman, he wasn't going to waste a single penny. So he finally decided he'd take a little bit of his money and he would go onto the upper decks. He had been consigned to berth down in the bowels of the ship and see if he could purchase a meal or two. And he went to the chief steward of the cruise liner and he says, well, I, I know that I, you know, I've got a berth down here in the bottom of the bowels of the ship and it's not really where anybody of any stature resides. But he says, I, I, I'd like to buy a meal. I'm getting hungry. And the steward looked him in the eye and he says, Sir, why have you not been eating all of the free meals to which you're entitled by being on the ship? Why are you tonight not eating all of the meals to which you're entitled from being on the ship? You understand what I'm saying? You see, that ship is your relationship with Jesus that you have by grace and through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. We can't boast about it. We didn't buy the prime ticket. We were given the prime ticket. We, we were given everything richly in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And he who eats of me will never hunger. If you're hungry tonight, if you're really hungry tonight for more of Jesus, you can have all the sustenance you want because of him. He loves us that much. You don't have to hoard up the little store uh, of those goodies that God's given you, that little bit of the work of the Spirit in your life, or maybe that, that time that you actually prayed with somebody. At a time when you had that experience of maybe leading someone to Christ, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, it's my one victory in my entire life. Do you realize the Lord doesn't want you hungering after spiritual things? He wants you to be so full of Him that you can't take any more goodness. You see, bread is called the staple of life because without the staples of life, we die, amen? We need to feast. And bread is that picture of those essentials. 
And to me, it's very telling in the lives of the children of Israel. Do you remember that picture there in Exodus chapter 15, chapter 16, as the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness? They hadn't been gone from Egypt for eight minutes before they started complaining. Amen? Isn't that so like us? Don't we hunger and thirst after things that were killing us at times? You remember your BC days? Isn't it strange how sometimes you think back on what you were before Christ and you're actually going, man, if I just had a bowl. If I could just go back to that party. If I could just hook up with that same old flame. Man, those frat parties that I used to go to. And it's strange how we think that somehow that brought sustenance into our life. That it gave us joy or happiness or provided us with anything that was any value. And yet we do often hunger after the wrong thing, don't we? And Jesus is simply saying to us tonight, hunger after me. And when he said this, he used a very unique Greek word to describe that hungering. It means to be hungry. People often read into things, things in Scripture that are not there. It literally means to have an appetite for that affects your stomach. You know, that smell when you drive up to the parking lot of In-N-Out. You know what I'm saying? You're like, all of a sudden, it's like, I don't have any money, but I don't care. I'm going to knock somebody down and take their (laughs) double-double. That kind of hunger, that, that type of understanding that everything you have at that moment is forfeit to gain the one thing. That's what Jesus is saying. That the sustenance that we need comes from Him. To live life eternal comes from Him. And we should be so hungry for it that we will give up anything. That we will do everything. And in the end, we will acquire what He is because He wants us to have Him. You see in this passage, what He's really saying is don't let the grumbling turn into a hunger for something that will never sustain you, will never fulfill you. Don't let your worldly appetites creep back into where you settle for something less than what he wants you to have. Back to my analogy. When you want a double-double, you don't want one of Yorgo's burgers. Amen? Amen? You want a double-double. You're hungering after the real thing. Amen? The legitimate one and only thing. You see, because what Jesus is really saying is heavenly food gives you heavenly sustenance. When the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness and the manna began to descend from heaven... 
isn't it strange how they immediately thought, hey, it must be us. We are so awesome that God just sent us this manna because we're awesome. And yet what they were really picking up looked a whole lot like frosted flakes. It's just the stuff on the ground. There wasn't a whole lot to it. It was who was behind it that made it great. Amen? So remember they tried to store it up? What happened? They put it in pots and it rotted. Because if you take Jesus out of what he gives, all you've got is what's left in the world. If you take away the giver of the gift, if you take away the Lord from the equation, you no longer have the sustenance. You just simply have bread. Remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, much the same thing. Do you remember what the crowd did the next day? They weren't actually looking for Jesus. They were just looking for bread. They were looking like, hey, let's follow this dude. We can have a free meal. And Jesus was saying, oh, there's more to it than this. And he reminded them, who gave manna? It was God, wasn't it? It wasn't Moses. It was God. As we think on that, as we spend a little time in worship again, I want you to ask yourself a simple question. Am I hungering after Jesus? Is there anything else tonight tonight that you would settle for other than Jesus? Is there some artificial sustenance that you've been taking into your life? Or are you getting the real thing? Think on it. Pray on it. Ask God to speak to you. Reveal those things. Because he's worthy and he's one of one. You see, there's a lot of things that become sustenance to us. Sometimes it's our anger, sometimes it's some deep hurt, some pain that perhaps you've gone through, maybe something that happened when you were really tiny, maybe as a child. You see, when we think on what we feast on, it's from which you draw life. It's what you assimilate. You see, because when you eat bread, a little bit of you becomes bread. And when you eat bitterness, a little bit of you becomes bitterness. When you eat righteousness, a little bit of you becomes righteousness. But when you eat hate, a little bit of you becomes hateful. You see, truly you are what you eat, spiritually. It's what you take in. As we were singing, I saw freedom in God's people. 
You're welcome to stand. You're welcome to kneel. You're welcome to get on your face before the Lord. You see, because when we gather like this, when we just ask God, Lord, teach us your ways. Create, as David said, in me a clean heart, O God. What we're asking for is nutrition, spiritual nutrition. God, feed us. You see, as the Apostle John was writing our passage, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he said in verse 32, truly, truly, I say to you, It's not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. But it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God, which comes down from heaven, gives life to the world. You see, a lot of us spend an awful lot of our time walking in dead things, not life. Walking in things that can't help us but harm us. Jesus doesn't want that for us, folks. He wants us walking in that newness of life. That's why he said, when I came, I came down as living bread from heaven. And he who abides, eats of me, will live forever. Sometimes we have the wrong perspective on eternal life. Eternal life is not just something you get. Eternal life is something you are. Because you are eternally alive in Christ. And we who are alive in Him have a new kind of life right now. An abundant life. A wonderful life. Certainly not a life that's free from all of the difficulties this world can throw at us. But a life that's sustained by that which is our anchor of hope in heaven. And so when you were thinking of those things that you're eating that are not sustaining you you need to stop you need to start eating the right kind of bread you remember what Jesus said hunger and thirst after righteousness him And when you do that, it's amazing what the Lord will do to you, what the Lord will bring into your life. The Lord is far more useful than a simple meal, amen? But He wants us to eat of Him, assimilate Him, become Him, because he is eternal are you eating of Christ daily 
Are you making a meal out of Jesus? Don't think that blasphemous. Are you eating of the Lord daily so that your smile starts to look like Jesus and your eyes can weep tears like Jesus and your compassions fail not because they're like Jesus? You see, that's what happens when you eat of him. You start to be like Jesus. You aren't going to replace him. You're not going to be the Savior. But boy, are you going to start looking a whole lot like him and a lot less like you and me. You remember Jesus taught his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. What did he say after that? And forgive us our trespasses. You, you, you see, when we start to take him in, we start to give him out. And nothing speaks Jesus like forgiveness, amen? Forgiveness is hard, isn't it? But it's just like Jesus. Patience is hard, but it's just like Jesus. Being loving is sometimes difficult, but it's just like Jesus. When you take him in, you can give him out. There's no mystical power. There's no meritorious, meritorious act in taking him in. It's all him. But when you've taken so much of him in that that's all that's left is him. The world sees him. The world gets to know him. The world, in a sense, gets to hear from him. Your words all of a sudden get transformed. Your heart, the same. Your mind, the same. Transformed, are we not, by the renewing of our minds? That's why we're in Christ and Christ is in me. You see, Christ is in me because I've taken him in. I've said, Lord, fill me. Lord, work in me. And so as we think even further, I want to stop taking in what's not of him, and I want to take in all that is of him. Supernatural food. Supernatural bread.